This podcast is brought to you by Overtake Motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of WTHK. My name is Pedro Rantes. This is a podcast brought to you by Overtake Motorsport. And we are once again full, in full capacity and on both sides of the world as we actually used to do. <laughs> Alex, yes. how are you doing? I'm very well, Pedro. Good to see you again. Yay. Chris, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. I'm back in Britain now after an extended stay in America because of a rather rather interesting COVID case. So, yes, good to be back properly and have no sort of like lim- limitations on what we can do. So, yeah, happy to be back. Any symptoms left? Uh, no, to be fair, I was reasonably okay with it in the first place. I, got a, I lost my sense of smell for a little bit, so that was a bit interesting because just losing a sense like that is bizarre uh and i was a little bit fatigued but i'm like that anyway so <laughs> i was i was all right and I've, yeah, so, I've, I've not got any symptoms now so i'm all good so did you lose your sense of smell before testing positive uh no this was afterwards i am um, test i w- i had to get the test for a flight back and it came back positive and um according to the friend who was, who I was staying with um she looked over and it was just me looking at my phone with like my jaw on the floor and apparently for like 10 minutes I kept zooming in on the word positive as if I was expecting it to suddenly change to negative <laughs> and she said it's interesting she said in my first trip to America I visited the state of uh Maryland I visited the state of Virginia and the state of denial so that was a uh, an interesting little time for me <laughs> tish yeah. Um, then a couple of days later, we were making some popcorn and she put some uh, truffle uh, salt in it, which was obviously quite a nice thing. It's like, oh, smell that. And I was like, I can't. <laughs> smell what? <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Frankly, <laughs> I didn't lose my sense of taste. So I could taste it, but I couldn't smell it, which is a weird experience in itself. <laughs> I can imagine. Mm. Here, smell this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Well, if there's if there's a, a you know a pro from getting COVID, aside from the fact that you're doing all right, is that if you ever come to my side of the states near Texas, actually in Texas, you'll basically be immune because everyone gets sick. They get like two hundred cases a day or something like that. Yeah, but that's the thing. I've got I, I've got my boost. I got my boost on Christmas Eve. Do you know just in preparation and stuff? So I've mm-hmm. I've now got three shots and a decent amount of COVID just out of my system. So I'm I'm feeling pretty. I'm I feel like if if something needs to happen, like if something needs to happen, I can probably like, start donating blood at this point. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> and also, to be fair, do you know what my blood type is? I have no clue. My blood type is like my outlook on life. Be positive. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's I, nothing. I, there's, no. yeah. It's just there's nothing. To, you can't. Uh. Well, the, the, the reason I thought about that is because if I ever had like, like a proper racing car, you know, you, you often put your blood type in some place. I'd want to put like a big smiley face next to it, like a little Ricardo face. <laughs> that was, that was <laughs> funnier than the joke, actually. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Right, guys. So should we get on talking some motorsport? Yeah, bizarrely for a week in the middle of January, we've actually got quite a bit of stuff to talk about, which is very unusual in the world of motorsport. Sebastian Loeb. Sebastian Loeb. Right, should we, do you want to kick off with that? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I repeat, Sebastian Loeb. No. I have no clue what he's, happened to Sebastian Loeb, so let me know, please. He's currently in the lead of the Monaco Rally. Oh, the yes, of course. Rally. He's yes, actually leading it. He's slugging out with Sebastian Urge and he's winning as we speak. 
that's the thing because lots of there's lots of tweets saying if you name your child Sebastian, there's a, a pretty high chance it's going to be a rally champion at some point, or Bob, <laughs> or F1 champion, or F1 champion, <laughs> or IndyCar uh, champion, <laughs> or champ come. Sebastian must be one of the most popular for uh, pros, uh, popular Christian names in motorsport, surely. It's because it, it transcends multiple languages. Yeah, it transcends. It is <laughs> yeah, beyond the spoken it word. Yeah. It's like it's like Alex and Chris. It's it's a name that can go from to different languages. <laughs> well, Pedro. No, no offense, but Pedro. That in English, it'd be would it be Peter? Peter. It'd be yeah. Peter. But, uh, but yeah, it, yeah. it's not the same. I mean. If you no, write no, no. Sebastian and then you write the same name in Spanish, it's it's almost the same. Mm. My yeah, name but, changes mm. quite a lot. Hmm. I, must, I must say, of all topics of conversation, we've kicked off on a stormer. Um, but yes, we've gone rallies, for it. Well, we <laughs> started rallies. off well, and then we've gone off into some sort of weird language thing. Well, um, these are wild one, guys. Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> this is a January <laughs> podcast. Um, well, that's the thing. Going on to the, um, the Rally Monaco, this is as rallies go, obviously, you know, Dakar, all that sort of jazz. Uh, for the actual, you know, WRC series, is Monaco one of the most prestigious? I know it's one of the most highly revered. But I don't know if it comes across. I don't know if it's that highly regarded in the overall rally calendar. I'm it getting is, a big thumbs up from Alex. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's equivalent to it's somewhat equivalent to the Daytona 500 is NASCAR. Oh, yeah. OK. Somewhat. Few differences, mm. but it's it's that sort of thing. It's the first. The opener is it's got all the history on it and yeah it's, it's constantly there except for a little bit about 2010 2011 but then it came back and it's fine I, I mean, it's the one made for casual viewers right i mean i see people that watch the monte carlo rally but they don't necessarily watch the entire season of wrc yeah yeah that's the thing because it's january there's nothing else for us all to watch so we all pile on the monte carlo rally and look mm-hmm. oh snow cars going fast Ooh, hybrid cars Ooh. Hmm. Well, that's the thing as well. Puma. I, remember, I'm, <laughs> Puma. I remember tuning in a couple of years ago, uh, not a couple of years ago, two years ago for the um, for the uh, Monte Carlo Rally. And the amazing thing is, is actually, even if you're a fan of circuit motorsports and you don't know too much about rallying, you can't help but appreciate the, you know, the <laughs> the balls on those guys. I mean, Jesus Christ, some of the stuff you see. I mean, I've seen a few of the incidents already. There's been one significant one where people were unharmed. There's some. There's a more serious one which I don't know about more details, but we'll try and go into that a little bit later. But you see some of the stuff they're doing. Some of the, the Monaco rallies at nighttime, isn't it? Yes. And that sort of thing is insane. Like. It, you you just get like it's it's obviously a very different form of motorsport, but my god, it's so <laughs> incredible to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think the crash you're referring to is Adrian Formar. Maybe? Was that the one that went into the into the trees? Uh, yeah, he ran wide, hit essentially a bank, and then went flipping over, rolling, mm. rolling, rolling down was, the side of the hill. It reminded me somewhat to uh, 2020, I think, uh, where one of the one of the leading guys or one of the guys who's predicted to be the favourites had that huge shunt. Um, Oit Tanak. That was it. He was he was predicted to be like quite big at the Monte, uh, Monte Carlo Rally and absolutely stacked it. And that was a huge incident. That one was colossal. It reminded me somewhat of that, especially with the way the car's rolling and the uh, location with you know you know a pretty solid drop in quite a few trees. Oh yes. <laughs> I must confess, I don't watch much rally. Hmm. It's, it's, it's the one yeah, I try to get into, but I, I just don't. If there's any motorsport that I feel is going to be an Olympic sport, it'd probably end up rallying because it's a very similar format of one person goes, you watch, you appreciate, next person goes, and it takes up a significant amount of time. And of course, it, while you can appreciate the racecraft behind it, it does miss a certain element of adrenaline from not 
obviously what they're doing because that is insane but obviously having the side-by-side racing having you know the like the gap the, watching the gaps lower down especially between sectors is fascinating to watch uh, but it does miss a certain something that obviously if you're circuit enthusiasts like we are it does leave a little bit lacking at the end of the actual event mm-hmm. although i will say when we were watching it a couple of years ago chris um the wrc live stuff you get the stream you get off the internet it's fantastic mm-hmm. it's it's well commentated it's very informative so as you're coming into it as a newbie essentially you can understand everything that's going on yeah. and it's got everything you'd want for rally and it's yeah yeah it's just a shame it's another subscription service but it's still very good at what it does much like mm. sky is over in uk yeah here's a good question and just pop into my head should there be some sort of like netflix for raising coming from <sighs> from the fia like a place where you can watch wrc f1 well maybe not f1 maybe they, they leave that alone because it's f1 right but you can watch wrc wec formula e and everything else Mohammed Ben Suleyem, listen to this. <laughs> yeah, it, w- it would be nice because I see lots of, there's lots of Twitter accounts where it's all about the other aspects of motorsport that you might be missing. Like I didn't know there was the um, the Formula 4 in uh, the UAE this um, uh, oh, yeah. right now, basically, essentially. And I missed out on that and I would probably try to find a way to watch it at this point. If you had something like that, it would be the sort of situation where there's quite a few times on a Saturday I'll sit down here, see what's on Sky Sports and if there's something that piques my interest, I'll watch it. Same with motorsport. If there's something on, like I don't know, some Icelandic uh, Finnish rally cross. Hell yeah, I'm game for a laugh. A nice, a nice overall place to watch all of these would be quite good. But as you say, you start getting conflicting. F1, for example, I'm sure would want to continue with F2, Formula 3. So it starts getting a little bit dodgy in some places. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of motorsport out there that isn't widely available, which is a damn shame because you see some amazing things, especially in the lower formula. Yeah. Um, do we still have a Mexico rally? I remember watching it a couple of years ago. But I don't remember the story. Now, there was one in 2020, and I think it was mid-pan... About the beginning of the very beginning of the pandemic, and it carried on. can't remember if it got cancelled or not. And I don't know if it's come back yet. I would need to check the calendar, but it possibly has. I'm not sure. Although I think Chris might be checking now. I'm just checking now. There doesn't seem to be a certain date or anything, and rather strangely uh the first thing that comes up from dirtfish.com shout out uh please give us some of the royalties from this mention um the headline is is this the end of rally mexico uh wrc's quarter century run of visiting the americas came to an end this year so it did happen in 2021 mexico fears it could be gone for good and it doesn't appear to be another event so far this year if i'm wrong please feel free to mention but uh, i'm not seeing anything coming up with anything about a rally in mexico in 2022 i mean i guess well what a bummer To be fair, if that's true, which, I mean, I'm not doubting that, that it is true, but it would make total sense from two aspects. Um, there was one bit of the rally that was quite dangerous because it was in the middle of downtown, uh, a city called Guanajuato. Mm-hmm. So you had a lot of people really close. There wasn't much security. And you were essentially going quite fast in places where you know you could be facing around the battle with a fountain in the middle of it oh yeah i said there's a, there's a similar event not rally but it's um a a uh, motorbike event in the uh the Isle of man tt 
And that's something that's still hideously dangerous. And it's, it's almost continued just for the sake of tradition at this point, I feel. And you always hear about certain incidents, certain fatalities that happen. And there are quite a few times, I feel, especially when it's public property getting involved, that maybe sometimes, not common sense, because that sounds like I'm being derogatory, uh, but actually sometimes maybe just the overall environment and realising how much motorsport is changing and how much faster these things are going, it might not be the suitable environment anymore. Mm-hmm. And also- oh, but the Isle of Man is different. The Isle of Man has uh, its own government, therefore it can do anything it wants, despite being we, part of Britain. And we will do what we want because we're the Isle of Man. And we need the money, so we're going to keep doing the TT. Yeah, exactly. They, they then, need the more, anything. The more pertinent argument is that basically everyone who does the TT knows what they're getting into. It's the same with rallying. You know what you're doing. You're going high speed in dangerous circumstances on roads that aren't normally used for motor racing. And not what'll be, you'll be, but you've put yourself at that sort of risk that sort of thing's going to happen at some point yeah yeah same in circuit racing it's just less common this time yes absolutely so uh, what was i going to say oh yeah the thing with mexico also our government i think i've mentioned this before our government thinks racing is just for the beach people and he doesn't want anything with it well that's the, the thing beach get... people that's, <laughs> the how, rich... yeah, that's how he says it. Rich... oh beach people no, rich yeah, beach a oh, beach I said rich. He said rich. Oh, I said thought rich. He said rich. I thought he said, thought he said, said beach. Sorry. No, said, I thought he said rich. I thought he said, I heard. No, rich I thought that was a beach. <laughs> I thought that was a, a a a little bit of a a stab at um people who go motorsport in Mexico calling them beach people. I can imagine <laughs> I mean, that being a way of putting it down. Hmm. We got to think as well with Sergio Perez, who's arguably Mexico's biggest motorsport export in a significant amount of time. Um, who's the main guy funding that guy's drive at the moment? Really, oh, Slim. Uh, isn't that's it? Carlos Slim. Yeah, that probably doesn't help the um, the uh, the stereotype somewhat, should we say? <laughs> <laughs> that's it's, it's funny. That that's probably the funniest and most annoying thing about it. The president tries to pretend he's, you know, the president of the poor man. That's why he doesn't like motorsport, but is quite good friends with Carlos Slim. So, no, oh dear, oh no, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and okay, well, that's yeah. Carlos is the one funding Sergio Perez, and he's the one funding the Mexican chip. If it wasn't yeah. for him, it just, it just wouldn't be there anymore. Yeah. Hmm. Isn't it Telmex? He's the uh, he's in charge of. Well, that's just that's is that Sergio's main sponsor. I I need my my finger to just count everything he owns. He owns Telmex. <laughs> oh God! And the company behind Telmex, who owns like other thirty companies. Keep in oh, mind geez. that Telmex works in the entirety of the Americas. They go from Peru to the United States. Mm-hmm. And he also owns the New York Times. Oh, Christ. No. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. New York Times is owned by a Mexican. <laughs> Jeez, wow. <laughs> kind of sums it up, really, doesn't it? <laughs> Do you remember all the bad publicity Donald Trump got at the New York Times? Mm-hmm. It was basically because of him. I see. He was the one in charge of the order. Like, go wow. hard at Donald Trump. Really fucking hard. So Donald Trump supports Sergio Perez. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think his brain understands that one. You've heard it here first, guys. This is this is where the head is cursed. Breaking news. <laughs> I can guarantee no one has ever said those words in one sentence before. We, we have two weeks of breaking news. Amazing news. Last week, we not last week, not two weeks ago, we said NASCAR is better than F1. Mm-hmm. And now we've been doing this. 
if that doesn't make us the greatest motorsport podcast on the internet, I don't know what it will. Oh, there's exactly. one hell of a Photoshop. There's one hell of a Photoshop coming from this. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Should we um should we have on to a little bit of a uh, different motorsport news? Yes, go ahead. Pick and choose. Well, I was going to say, um, we uh, Pedro and I discussed this a little bit beforehand. Um, there's a little bit of a drama going on with Alpine and a certain uh, four-time Formula One world champion at the moment. Um, five times, sorry. Five, is it five, five or four times? He's five times, isn't he? Yes. Who are we talking about here? Prost, Alan Prost. Four. Four times. I was right first time. So I, Alex pulled a confused face and I went, oh no. No, the problem <laughs> is I, my, my, my mind jumped to Vettel thinking four-time champion, thinking, what have I missed here? Forgetting that it's not a current driver. <laughs> Alpine and Sebastian Vettel are pulling faces at each other. Uh, <laughs> now, um, there's been a little bit of a controversy recently where um, Alpine um, jumped the gun a little bit on the announcement that Alain Prost was going to be leaving uh, the team. Uh, obviously, this becomes this comes with rumours that Otmar Schaffner, uh, Schaffner, Schaffner blah, 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 has been leaving, um, is meant to be leaving Aston Martin for them, which he denied, which means it's definitely happening. Um, and it's now somewhat coming to fruition, as, as well as the sponsorship with BWT. Um, so this has been coming through, and apparently they were meant to announce it together, this being Alain Prost and Alpine. Alpine jumped the gun and did it, to which Alan Prost might have been just a little bit tiddled off. Uh, mm. Now, obviously, he's been he's been given quite a few interviews. He's let his know his let himself his his opinion being clear. But I was saying to Pedro, I always relate what somebody says is very different to what somebody types. If somebody types something, there's thought behind that, and this is what Alan Prost typed on his Instagram account. He did a generic picture of Alan Prost leaving his advisor role for Alpine, and he wrote. I am very disappointed how this news has been announced today. It was agreed that we would announce together with Alpine F1 team. No respect, sorry. I have refused the offer made to me in Abu Dhabi for the 2022 season because of a personal relationship, and I was right. To the Instant Envirio team, I will miss you. End message. Now, for someone like Alain Prost, that seems big. Yeah. <laughs> that seems pretty damn big. I don't know, I'd like to see what your guys' opinions are. Even Alain Prost is not one for overt political manoeuvrings, particularly post his F1 career. I'm, I'm, I'm choosing my words very carefully there. It's, that is a huge, huge slap in the face to Alpine. Mm. I wonder, I, part of me wonders whether Alpine have felt that Alain Prost has actually helped the team at all. Mm. I, I don't know what effect he's had on Renault slash Alpine. It may be that they feel like he's not done much and therefore went, no, just get rid of him. Or someone's been, someone's pressed the Instagram send button a bit too early. Yeah, and after one or two many pernos, something like that. It's it's an interesting thing in particular because obviously Alan Frost is quite a respected name. And I think the the most equivalent relationship we can give to this is probably Nicky Lauder at Mercedes, a uh, similar sort of advisory role. I get the feeling Nicky Lauder just turned up and said, I work here now. And everyone, okay, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but with um, Alan himself, he's been he, he's with the Enstone team for quite a while. I mean, his face has been popping up with Renault. He's done a few things, obviously, with Formula E in quite a few cases. He's keen to be in the motorsport eye. And obviously, with a French team, uh, all that jazz with French drivers, that sort of thing. I just, it's, I want, like, going into 2022, I have a feeling that Alpine might not be the team that they think they're going to be. And I'm wondering if there's some sort of, like, trying to pitch the blame here possibly 
Like if this doesn't work out for Alpine, which is my prediction, and when Alonso finally gets his third championship, feel free to clip this and you know mock me forever. I wonder if there's going to be some sort of behind the scenes game that we're like, actually, there's been disarray for years at um, Enstone. Here's why. And I wonder if we're just starting to get a peek of that. I mean, you're yeah. right on that because it could very well be a symptom of, of worse things, right? I mean, if you can get an announcement right, which is quite a simple thing, right? I mean, you just got to like get equal schedules and, and just do it at the same time. If you can't get that right, then, well, I don't think you can get everything else right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if you can do the simple things all right, then everything else is going to be quite messy. Yeah, and the issue is as well with Alan Prost, he carries such a name and such prestige. That's not the sort of person you want to be publicly pissing off. No, no. And it, it, this, this is a theme through Re- Renault since 2016, Renault now Alpine. It's always been a bit of a mess. It's not very smooth. Yeah. It, it lacks in cohesion and is just a little bit off the cuff, which mm-hmm. back in the 80s, it worked. Sort of until you buggered over Alan Prost by not updating your car in the last five races and had a massive championship league which turned into nothing. And it was, that, was that the one he lost by point five? By point five? No, it was the year before. Was it? Okay. Yeah, the year before in '83, and he had the best car comfortably. Then Renault decided, nope, we're not doing anything more with the car. No more money is going to be spent on it. And then Nelson Piquet won him on the title. <laughs> and. It's the only reason Renault won in 2005 and six was because Flavio was in charge and it was Benetton, which he was also in charge of. And it was very much, no, you do it my way or get out. Yeah. And whilst it's harsh, it worked very well. Mm. There doesn't seem to be that individual at Alpine because Cyril, a bit ball, was never that sort of leader. And now that Alpine have lost Budkowski, or appear to be doing Bukowski. Uh, it just, nah, there's no, it doesn't seem like there's a long-term plan going on here. And it's kind of just not, let's just see what we fancy doing today. That's the thing as well. I and mean, they've been, the, the way they got Alonso back was through their long-term plan. And it does sound like actually it's getting a little bit hoggedy fog. And you're right to talk about their previous history, even modern history. The way they've been, the way they let go some of their drivers and then slam them for not being loyal. I mean, Jolian Palmer's thing, that was, again, Granted, he didn't have possibly the success we were expecting, especially after his junior career. But to him to find out he's left Renault through Autosport magazine before actually being told, there's something significantly deep there. And as you say, you're you're absolutely right, actually, on the point. It just sounds like it's kind of just happening as it's going. It sounds like three or four years ago, like, Fernando, trust me, 2022 is going to be amazing. It's all right, guys. We got until 2022. And now they're going, oh, shit. Or, oh, man. It's 2022. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is, is when they, because they could end up being, if this does go horribly wrong, they are going to be near the back of the field yeah, in yeah. terms of overall car pace. And that's going to be horrific. Oh, well, Alonso. We know Alonso loves to keep his mouth shut when things aren't going right. I mean, but you, you would have Ocon, which is a very talented driver. Race winner. And Oscar Piastri, which is a bunch of like, I don't want to call it wasted talent because his career is not over yet, but it's quite a lot of potential that you just won't be using. 
And not only that, you'll have them stuck at the back of the field. It would be a huge, huge shame, actually. Mm. It's the thing I'd say that one saving grace is that they're getting Otmar, who is obviously very good at what he does. I mean, I think he was best when it was Force India slash Racing Point. There's something about him and his team, the way he worked for the team with an underperforming budget. I don't know. That could be the one saving grace that they can make that work. But is it possibly too little too late? Uh, it's... Because if, he, if he's now going into that team and he turns up and he realises that they're, uh, I, as I'm predicting, to be almost Williams-esque in previous years, where the hell are they going to go from there? Because they've been digging this up for so long. They've been, for so long, they've been saying we've been developing our focus on the 2022 goal from like 2019, I think. So, L plan. L plan. Trust an L plan. <laughs> <laughs> But also with yeah, that, it may be that they end up being the fastest car on the grid, in which case all of this is moot. But yes, exactly. It's, it could, it's one of those ones which could quite easily go either way. One thing that we can confirm, almost, <laughs> is that with Otmar going, he's likely to be taking BW, BWT with him as well. Oh, yes, yeah. I've heard that. And we're going to end up with the 2019 Force India um, livery with the Sport oh, Pesa We better blue. not. That was fantastic. It was a wonderful livery. It was the best one they did with the pink. I look forward I, to seeing it again. Alex went, Alex, Alex went from, I've, I assume, sarcasm to actually being quite sincere there. That was incredible. No, no, I genuinely liked it the was, car. It was, it was the best livery that was pink. <laughs> the car oh, was uh, right. The livery was, no. The livery is fantastic. I didn't mind oh. the bright pink cars. It was better than the weird marshmallow pink and white they had for a while. That was just a bit yeah. blue. The blue was quite nice. But the issue mm. is, again, I'm quite happy for the pink to be leaving Aston Martin because that just looked weird. And it like, didn't you work. Can, you can, we can tell as well, obviously, all the pit crew had the green on them. So it's like, uh, I wonder yeah. what color they replaced. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the, I'm afraid the watermelon is going to be going. But instead, we're getting like a mix of, you know, blueberry bubblegum. I'll take it. If there's anything like the 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 previous source India, I'll happily take that. I think Pedro disagrees. And I think you might be right. And here's why I disagree. Force India is not a brand, right? They don't represent the brand. They can choose any color they want because they're just a regular racing team. Yeah. Aston Martin is a brand. That's why Pink didn't suit them. Alpin is by tradition, traditionally blue. So you're going to screw it up just like you screwed up Aston Martin with pink. Mm. Depends how you do it. If you incorporate it properly, then it would work. But if you do what Aston did, which was, oh God, we've got a lot, we like this livery, but we've got to have some pink in there, haven't we? All right, let's do the little lines around the bottom bit. Hey, if they Jerry, do it properly, Jerry, get the pink, ca- the pink can, Jerry. Yeah, whack it on. It'll be great. Yeah, just a little line, just a little line. It's fine. <laughs> Dan, 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 get the pink paint. Dan. No, I said pink, not salmon, you donut. <laughs> uh, it's salmon fuchsia, mate. <laughs> January. <laughs> yeah, so um, there's likely to be an interesting livery on the grid next year. I think the, the blue of Alpine, which was gorgeous, apparently wonderful in person. I think there's a way the pink could work, but we'll have to wait and see. It's, well, next month essentially we're going to start getting the uh, the reveals. Please so that could be it to me. I'm curious. Which which bit? Sorry. What what do you envision? What do you have in mind for like pink? Um, well, that's this. I don't know what I want it to be. <laughs> I 
trying to think of what it could be, and I'm struggling. I just want the I want the car to be like Force Indy. Now they did the Indian flag. Just get the French flag and make the red bit pink. Have a laugh. <laughs> I, I, no, I First half I, blue, middle half white, back half pink. There you go. That would work. That's my. Oh, oh we watched it. The flag being though, I, I do envision, I, I, I see a bunch of, in my head, I see a bunch of Frenchmen angry, holding baguettes in the air. <laughs> mm, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know what it's... I want it to be, but like, I think Alex makes a good point. Yeah, the I did I did quite like the pink cars just for a change, and also BWT in motorsport is quite iconic. Yeah, not in the same way mm. as we get for Rockman's <laughs> Golf uh, Martini. And it did work, and it was nice to see. The sport person livery was great because the the blue I feel did quite work did work quite well on the fuselage one of a better phrase. Um, yeah, fuselage. Just, We're talking cars, not planes here, mate. They're pilots. It counts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just it's yeah. It's the issue is how can they do it without looking like who's who's the force India again? Otmar's here. We yeah. make him feel at home. Yeah, that's a that's a good point actually. You got to try and do it in somewhat unique style. Mm-hmm. Which with pink is quite difficult. Now, go ahead. I say they they might do a thing with the Aston. Like, they might do a thing where actually just the writing BWT is quite a large logo, but it's in pink, so it's just kind of an outline. That's the that's something I could see them possibly doing. It's yeah. it's that's the only that's the only way I can think that it could be different yet good because the issue is I like, again just copying uh, racing point at that point they can't risk it. Mm-hmm. Now. Speaking of, uh, uh, well, I'm going to call them paint schemes because that's the way that's how we call them in NASCAR. Um, <clears throat> should Rebel go back or at least think of going back to original Red Bull Blue? It just came what out. Origi- of- what, how, when you say original, are we talking Sauber 1996 or are we talking Red no, Bull no, 2005? Modern Red Bull 2005. Modern Red Bull. Because you got. I know Chris is now having an absolute giggle, but you got to remember the livery that Red Bull currently have was first used on a salver in the mid-90s. And it was, and it was gorgeous because it had green. Yeah, it had 7-Up. With the, pink. Yeah. So it's just, it's just the fact I love, I love the two. This, that was a perfect pinpoint example of the, you know, the two different types of F1's fans. The, the new fans and the older fans. The, hey, what do you think? The original Red Bull Blue? Uh, do you mean the uh, Salver Blue? Or do you actually mean the uh, 2006 Red Bull Blue? <laughs> I think you're right. It's not about being a new fan. It's about being an absolute. I'm being years older than you two, young whippersnappers who think you know everything. We do know everything. We're young and we've watched Drive to Survive twice. Aside from that, we always have to throw shit at the new guys, don't we? Oh, absolutely. Of course you do. (laughs) I think. Alex makes it. Oh God, my voice broke there. I'm not that old, I promise. Um, Alex makes a good point. The original Sauber Blue, which obviously had the first traditional Red Bull considering logo, where I'm going to use visual large again because I can, because why not? I learned that word today. Um, having it there could be quite interesting. Having the that blue could be quite nice. I think the original Red Bull Blue, because it's not too different, it wouldn't be a massive step back to say, hey, we're going back to this and we're making it ultra shiny, just like you know the 2010 style cars and a little bit earlier as well. It's the issue is Red Bull's heritage. It's because it's been such a similar looking car. Do they strive to try and do it a little bit different, or do they just keep doing the same thing again? Because it's a very co- it's a very copy and paste livery. Um, but they also have to run the risk. They don't want to make their car stand out a lot when there's a chance that they might have thrown too much into 2021, and this year Red Bull might be a bit of a pig. Do they want their car to stand out after a championship winning season when all of a sudden Max Verstappen, the the youngest 
Dane, the youngest Dutch driver named Max who ever breathed in an F1 car and did a backflip or whatever. <laughs> Do they want to risk that when he's now suddenly getting a solid 10th place in, like, you know, Spain? Uh, well, in Max's defense, he's still the world champion, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> if, we're talking about, if we're talking about Max and defending, we'll be off the track. <laughs> oh, shots fired. Again, a reminder to those listening, I'm happy Sappen won the championship, so don't hold it against me. <laughs> but you speak some sense, therefore it's funny. Oh, absolutely. I, I love everything about Formula 1. I'm intending to mock all of it. <laughs> Everyone be, will be mocked on this podcast. So, um, Chris, I assume 2022 will be quite a happy year for you, whatever happens. It could rain a million times over Spa, and you won't care. Because the future 14-time world champion will be racing what I hope is a silver card this time around. My boy, George. Yes, they've, they've, there's been a few... Your boy. Tweets. My boy? My boy, George? Yeah. Oh, your boy is Tony Stewart. Oh, of course. No, that's, that's my boy. You know, that's, that's the American accent. Boy. This is... That's it. Okay, so my boy's Tony Stewart. My chap is George. Should we go with that? Yeah, yeah, that works. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> my chap, as British as it goes. My, my, my chap. Uh, Gorge. Yeah, there's been a few cryptic tweets suggesting it's silver, actually, uh, the uh, Mercedes this year. Yeah, I hope it is. It should be silver. Mm-hmm. But yes, of course, as I have quite, you know, conservatively predicted that we're about to be in a 14 championship reign of the Russell and that no one else apart from me will be fed up by the end of it. Yes, I'm hoping it's going to be a good year for that. Absolutely. Unfortunately for you, Chris, I don't think it's gonna happen no, no i mean, <laughs> like, I mean none, none in the next I, three years at least <laughs> I, I, I think you might find that the the driver's trophy goes to the one of the red cars oh no valtteri bottas no i was gonna say joe <laughs> could you imagine Ronnie <laughs> joe wins in his debut year goat <laughs> I can't Randy imagine goes. a bunch of people punching each other because China is so crammed they won't be able to celebrate. <laughs> oh, every, fist, every fist bump is just attempted manslaughter. Oh. oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, there goes our two edit, in China. Edit, edit, <laughs> There goes our Chinese audience. Yeah. But yes, absolutely looking forward to 2022 yes. on that front. Absolutely. Was there, uh, is there some more information you're going to share on life? Are we just going to bask in the glory that is going to be George Russell? Uh, was that red card thing for real? I mean, I assume you mean Ferrari. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm putting... I would put hard cash on Ferrari winning the driver's title, did you? Is it Leclerc or is it Sainz? <laughs> That's where I'm not decided. Because oh, interesting. But I'm, I'm but basing can... it on a few. I'm basing it on a few reasons. A Ferrari have got. They've been planning for this because yep. after 2020, why would you plan for last year? 2021 was a bonus, and they've got the most wind tunnel time. True. By a lot. By compared to the top, the other top four teams, so McLaren, Red Bull, Mercedes, they got an awful lot more. So they're in. If they come into the season with a pretty decent car they're going to have more time in the wind tunnel to make it even better so by the end of the year they could have the best car by not a comfortable margin but by enough that it gives them at least one title and Ferrari are so overdue a title they do this they are overdue by yonks 
So it, it's going to happen at some point. They might make hard work of it, but it's going to happen. The thing is, from what I can see, from what we've seen last season, if I had to put my money in one driver, it would be Sainz. But it seems mm -hmm. to me Ferrari wants at all costs for it to be Leclerc. Yeah, I think I'd, right. I'd, I'd, I'd be careful with the Sainz and Leclerc comparison from last year alone on the basis that Leclerc was the faster driver and had the had the least amount of luck. Of the two, Leclerc is definitely faster, but you might, if it is a two-way fight between Sainz and Leclerc, Leclerc will probably win 15 races. Sainz would win three but could still be in the championship at the end of it because Sainz is that sort of driver and Leclerc is the I'm all balls to the wall I'm going for this I'm winning every single corner every single lap and that will mean he may have a few crashy moments but he'll beat Sainz for pace but Sainz will consistently be there getting podiums yeah. if they do fight each other I picture Ferrari just going crazy on the radio Plan C, Plan C, and then they go Plan D, Plan D, and they're going to run to everything yeah. the yeah. fucking letter of the alphabet. Okay, Charles, onto the Greek people. Charles, listen, just get out and start running, please. Um, <laughs> that's the thing. I think mean, you make a very Do good a point. Do a Ricky Bobby. Yeah. You make a very good point, Alex, to be fair, and that's the Charles Leclerc is... Obviously, actually, Pedro makes a good point here as well. Charles Leclerc is the poster boy. He is the he is the he's a guy who won at Monza. He's a guy who got all of that jazz. For, for someone who's only won two races, he's had a very incredible career so far in Formula One alone. And obviously, there's some like he's a little bit more. He might be a little bit more marketable. I know Carlos Sainz has kind of reinvented himself with the smooth operator thing, and he's quite popular on that front. But Leclerc is definitely the poster boy and will probably be the guy if Ferrari had to pick and I'm sure they'd never pick a number one and number two driver um, I'm sure they'd probably want it to be Leclerc um, but I think you make a very good point that there's something about signs we've seen he's had a very understated career up until very recently and his performances against Verstappen and the Toro Rosso should have gained more note than they did and now with his first year in Ferrari when people like Daniel Ricciardo a multiple time race winner struggled getting used to that car for the first time and was meant to be you know big shit Leclerc they're not Leclerc so Sainz was kind of there from the start and he's shown this year in previous years as well he has incredible consistency like there's there's a time back when I started doing fantasy Formula 1 when I started doing it Alex has been doing it for years obviously when I started doing it you always picked Kimi Raikkonen 2014, 2015, 2013 you always had Kimi in your team he's always a solid bet of points Sainz is going to be the same sort of driver And that's the thing. There have been quite a few times in Formula One history and motorsport history where the consistent driver just ends up getting it. And there's been quite a few times where this has been almost deliberate. Um, 2016, I'm going to quote quickly, uh, Rosberg realized he just needed to finish second in every single race, in the final four races, and he get it. And that's what he did. That's exactly the sort of position I can see Carlos Sainz finding himself in. Sainz, I, well, I'm not going to say he is obviously like, he's not an Alan Prost level of thinker in Formula One. He's somebody who can just get those results consistently. And this could be a headache because obviously Ferrari want to win a championship more than anything. To have the bombastic driver losing out to the understated second driver, yes, it'll be a championship, but is that the championship they necessarily want? It's, yeah. again, this is huge speculation in itself, but science has proved himself to be quite somebody to look out for. We're all thinking Carlos Sainz, two years, Schumacher in the next time. I can't think of when they're going to get rid of Sainz and Leclerc as a pairing. They're damn strong. They're probably the best lineup on the grid overall. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, oh, they, I'd argue they are. Hmm. I, I, until they, we can see Russell's performances, I would agree. 
Yeah, they pit Mercedes, but yeah, they are just about in front. But this isn't the first time this has happened to Ferrari, where they've had two drivers fighting for a title and the bombastic madman who everyone loves didn't win compared to the consistent driver who just kept on getting points. And it was Schechter no. revealed. I was about to say, now obviously Alex Pedro and I know what you're talking about, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Villeneuve obviously was the um, very much the poster boy at that point, winning the weight races in such a dynamic fashion. But yeah, good point. And just absolutely back crap crazy. The issue is Leclerc still has a few tendencies. We've seen it in Baku. We saw, we, we saw, the, we saw the worst case example this year in Monaco. That was heartbreaking. A, incredible qualifying lap and almost a guaranteed yeah. top two With, finish. Oh, he wins oh, that I, race. Yeah, that's the thing. And... That one mistake he made previously affected it. I can see that happening more. And it's not as if he doesn't recognise it. The amount of times he's had, I am stupid, I am stupid. But it's still happening. It's, it's the same thing as well. I feel Verstappen is definitely a similar sort of person on street tracks. The first couple of years in Monaco, he scuppered. Then we go to Saudi Arabia this year. There's still a bit of a tendency there. And I wonder if it's just definitely kind of a newer breed of driver in some cases where actually the types of circuits just aren't working out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not ironed out. And despite that amazing first year of Ferrari with um, uh, Leclerc, there's a lot that needs to be picked up. Mm-hmm. Is decision-making in certain situations is questionable. So exactly. uh, Sakir 2020, um, launching up the inside of Perez and Verstappen, not a clever idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Seatbelt gate in Catalonia 2020. How did that not become a bigger thing? I, I remember, I remember you were livid know. about that because that is a, that's a bang to rights offence. <clears throat> that is, that's proper bang to rights and that is thick. So yeah, it's it's things like that. <laughs> Suzuka 2019, um, um, uh, Verstappen into a spin at turn one, turn two, and yeah, it's it's little, in, well, let, let, intricate little bits of racing that he doesn't quite make the right decision. Let's take that it may even, change, but it's at the moment the consistency isn't there for him. Let's take it even off the track. I mean, do you remember when he went out partying in Monaco about the old, all the regulations at that point? Uh, he went out partying, was photographed with several fans on Instagram doing this sort of thing. I mean, I don't want to sound like an incredibly ridiculous person here, and I'm sure a Brit who's been living in Chertsey and is a primary school teacher and has been for five years or so probably has no right to talk about this sort of thing whatsoever. It does sound like somebody who has had the Monaco lifestyle throughout his life. And I'm not saying that the, he doesn't think the rules don't apply to him. I'm just sure there's been quite a few cases of actually maybe the rules have been bent and there's kind of the expectation that might be happening going forwards. The only reason I'm basing that off is how he behaved in Monaco when the entire grid and everybody was trying to work together to make sure the season could go ahead. And then he's photographed by fans hugging, all this sort of thing. Granted, obviously, it's being blown out of proportion by me right now, right here. Um, but it's still something that, not necessarily lacking thinking, just a lack of like ramifications. And it does come across, I feel, in this racing, as Alex has um, uh, articulated. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, what was I, oh, it's the... Oh, what was I going to say? It's the it's what happens when you get promoted to Ferrari in your second F one season and you're like twenty what was he twenty one twenty two when he was promoted something like that something ridiculous so it's it's gonna go to your head well I don't know and because I was promoted to uh, I was promoted to Mercedes in my first season of Formula One after racing in a Haas on the F one game and I didn't break the COVID rules I I I behaved really well. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think I think you're right. The um the suddenly ascending too quickly might be a thing. 
<laughs> yeah, it's going to be that. I don't know. I know he's monogas, but I don't know if he's one of the rich ones. I don't I, know. I well, he's now. He's now. I would assume but, if you're manic- if you're monogastic, probably a high chance you are. No, no, I don't think it's as mad. It's it's not like if you're monogastic, you're rich. I think a lot of monogasks aren't. They're well off, but they're not millionaires or anything. Actually, sure, yeah. you're not poor. Oh yeah, you're not poor, not at all. But you're not sat there with millions of dollars in your bank, going, you know, what? I'm going to see it. I'm going to drop fifty grand on three green. No, no, zero green or whatever it is. Actually, Alex, that can't happen in Monaco because Monegasque natives aren't allowed to go into the casinos. Mm. Oh, really? <laughs> no, they're not allowed. Uh, basically, um, casinos in Monaco are only for tourists. You're not allowed to go. You're not allowed to go to them if you live in them. If you live in Monaco, <laughs> mainly for the reason I feel that you don't bankrupt yourself and then cause lots of housing issues. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. But that, that was something I didn't know. Hmm. I didn't know either. Good well, stat. Fun. fun fact of the day by Chris Hunt on the Overtake Motorsport podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it needs its own jingle. <laughs> the, the jingle is shut up. <laughs> I love. That. Obviously, you people listening, you're not watching us, but Chris did the, the SpongeBob hands when he's his imagination. Oh, the rainbow hands. Yeah, the rainbow hands. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> mm. well, we had another topic aside from that one. I I, I just can't remember what it was. Um, we were talking a little bit about the fact that next week we're seeing the return of uh, well, quite a significant form of motor racing in the Daytona 24 hours. Oh, yes. Yes, with a packed house mm. in the stands and a packed house in the garage. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, it's a huge grid. Yeah. Also, it's uh, Daytona 24. Yeah. <laughs> it's I at least 40 it. cars a year. But it, it's the biggest Daytona 24 in like 20 years or so. There's going to be 64. Cars. Really? Oh, jeez. Yeah. Wow. That's the thing, because I, ch- I tuned into it for the first time last year. And like with the Le Mans, which I watched on a few occasions, it's a great thing to watch the beginning and the end and just dip in as the day goes on. And I'm actually really looking forward to it, not just because of the lack of motorsport, because actually having gone into American motorsport, an example, in the last couple of years or so, this is a big one. And I do quite like the Daytona track overall. My fridge, which has the post of the Daytona USA um, arcade game on it, will attest to that. Um, but it's, it's, Daytona. Um, but yes, I do feel like it's, this is now kind of the motorsport calendar's about to kick off, really. This is kind of the, I feel like this is probably going to be the official start. No offense to WRC. Uh, um, this is kind of like, or Dakar. Like, like, or Dakar. Dakar doesn't count. Uh, this is about to be the, the, the sweep into the motorsport season for me. You know, the, I, think the, I think the way we should go with this, for me, this is where 2022 motorsport starts as an avid watcher. I don't know about you guys, if you're going to be the same sort of way for me, this is where I now get into this year's motorsport. I, I, I doesn't, Formula, doesn't Formula Wine start next week as well? Formula Wine? Formula oh. E, that whiny noise. Yeah. Is that next week? Yes. On Channel 4. That. I have no clue. WTHK, the, uh, the motorsport channel that cares. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not a, that's not a new thing. I've, I've said many times that Formula E feels like Mario Kart for me now, so I don't watch it. it, it yeah, there's these, a certain it, lack of seriousness with it, or it feels like there is, but now they've got a new qualifying um, system, it might be a, a change to the uh, overall feel. It doesn't do start next week. I've not heard about the qualifying change. What is it? 
Oh, they've got some sort of knockout thing. It's um, I can't explain it over a, a bit like F1? podcast. No, it's different and it's really odd. Is it gimmicky? No, it's not really. I think it's done so it's it's hard. It's it's done in such a way that it's still hard to get pole, but it's done on a more competitive basis. Though you don't get your people in qualifying one, who at the top of the championship always qualifying at the back. Okay. I, I can't. The ins and outs of it are confusing, but it's mm-hmm. when I read about it, it felt like it was an all right idea and was worth a go. Okay, interesting. Okay, well, um, I'll, de- I'll definitely be watching the Formula Reader because I, 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 as as much as I do love the shit on it, I do quite enjoy it as a series. It is very Mario Kart, as you say, Pedro, but I still do quite enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But who's the um, no, go ahead. Who's the F one driver that um defected? I've moved um this year to Formula E. Giovinazzi. That's it. Thank you, Italian is, Jesus. Uh, mm. But going back to the original point, you're absolutely right. Um, Dakar sort of feels like this sort of weird point where it doesn't belong into this year or last year. It just it just Dakar and it, and it exists on its own. Yeah, it's it's a weird entity because I see it. I see footage of it. I at no point. Um, I'm obviously the prestige of it uh, speaks for itself. But because it's not readily available and because it's obviously so difficult to bloody film, it's just kind of a thing that happens in motorsport. I mean, in comparison, the thing that's been, the thing I, this, this struck me recently, I remember at the end of the Formula One, uh, you know, Googling what motorsport's going to be happening, what to look forward to. I looked at Dakar and I was like, okay, well, that's happening. Then I was like, oh, Race of Champions. Whoa, that's back. And the excitement comparison to Race of Champions for Dakar was insane. And especially as one is a prestigious motorsport event and the other is the Dakar Rally. I mean, no, it's like the other way around. Um, it's like, it's interesting how the Dakar just seems to happen. And the prestige comes with it. Carlos Sainz uh, Sr. winning again, majorly impressive, mm-hmm. but it happened. <laughs> like, it's, just, it's just the way it's, I feel like it's the way it's presented. There might be a marketing issue in some way, shape or form. I'm not particularly sure. It's just a thing I'm just resigned to. It happens people are very good at it and they do very well at it and granted if i could be in that position and do it myself i'd love to absolutely mm. it's just not an it's not in a consumable media form in any way really uh, oh. the problem in britain specifically is there is a hangover from mark thatcher getting lost for three days in the african desert um for anyone who doesn't know mark thatcher was the son of Margaret and Dennis Thatcher, and at the time, mm. Margaret Thatcher was pr- Prime Minister of the UK. So it ended up being quite a big story, and I don't think an awful lot of Brits have got over it in terms of mm. people in the generation above us. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, I'm not sure it's ever caught on since then. Yeah. Not in a entertainment way. So from what I'm listening from you guys, there is no way for you to watch the car. Like, you cannot tune in oh. the stage can there are ways to watch it it's just not on tv it's all it has to be streaming through the internet that sort of thing mm-hmm. but it does it gets very little coverage very well, very little coverage. most of the things i thought were on twitter yeah it's there's you get you get one or two stories on bbc news saying oh look this is who won it you get a few on autosport and it it's not everything else is all anything non-motorsport related it just doesn't appear Oh, and also, okay. also the way BBC writes it is Carlos Sainz's dad wins Dakar. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that. That's that's. I mean, I, I hated that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I was, I was looking at. He's, a, he's a world champion. Carlos Sainz Junior. is not. 
exactly. He's multiple world, multiple world champion. I think there's a the thing as well. Twice. Yeah, multiple. Twice. <laughs> I think the thing for me as well is um, I was watching uh, one of the I was I've been watching lots of the old F1 videos like the oh can you name all the all the world champions and all that sort of thing and they did the um, can did you it? do uh, yeah they did my first and last and Carlos says when was your first autograph and then somebody saw me with my dad and asked my autograph and it's like yeah because his dad is a very famous racer <laughs> like it's, yes. it's it's amazing how just to one side it's pushed because it's not with open wheels that go smashy bang bang in red every now and then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. and that by the way is scientific language um if you want to use it please copyright my name uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yes uh i think as, as we as we're going with the motorsport calendar thing next week is obviously kind of the kickoff for many people formula e which i to be fair i'm actually now quite excited about next week brilliant i'm gonna make plans for that that's in the daytona 24 hours i'm definitely gonna be watching are you gonna are you guys gonna watch either i'm gonna watch the watch 24 the f- hours um, it's going to be a different 24 hours for me because uh, in previous years, I was either doing the coverage of the race or doing some sort of 24 hours. Like last year, uh, we didn't decide we covered the virtual 24 hours, which was absolute hell, but that's besides the point. Um, I usually do, I, I used to watch it completely with my grandfather, like the whole 24 hours. Um, and this year, because of work, wow. I, I won't be able to do that. But I, I guess I'll watch, you know, probably sixteen or at least twelve hours of it. The fair, fair play. I appreciate, I appreciate the dedication. Oh yeah, I'll watch the Formula E, and I will require. And whenever one ever either you two remind me the Daytona is on, I'll probably put it on then for a bit. Right, Pedro, you know, you know what we're doing next weekend. Hey, Alex. Hey, Alex. Yeah. Hey, Alex. It's, it's still I'm on. It's hour two, Alex. It's to hour two, hour 15. Hour two. Um, it's lap three. It's lap three. <laughs> just 24, just 24, 24, 24. And then I'm going to put Jeff Gordon in there. He's going to reply, what the fuck's Jeff Gordon doing here? I'm going to go, he's 24. No, hey. I'm also going to say, well done to Memo Gidley to get back into the Daytona 24 after that horror shunt like eight years ago or something. Yeah. Where was he not? He was in a Ferrari and he got absolutely launched into by um, a prototype. I think he did he break his back or something? He did something really bad to himself. He yes, he's back in the yeah, he's back in one of the seats and he's racing again. Mm-hmm. Well, off tangent question very quickly. Oh, sorry, yeah. continue. Go ahead. But I was gonna say off tangent question quickly. Uh for obviously the Europeans we have Le Mans, that's our big 24-hour spectacle. Uh in the Americas, is the Daytona 24 hour comparable or better? Uh it's Ooh. it's one. Of course, in, 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 in you know in the grand scheme of, of motorsports, it's, it's one of the crown jewels. But if we go just in America, it's one it's part of the triple crown of endurance racing. You have the 24 hours, the 12 hours of Sebring, which is the one that closes the you know the IMSA championship, and you also have the thousand miles of Milwaukee. That one doesn't spring to mind. What's that? Tracks that. That's a thousand hours in Milwaukee, you know, just as it sounds. Um, but you know, it's it's the wow. lesser known. It's a lesser known of the of you know the whole triple crown. So it's the one with less international drivers. What track is it? Uh give me a sec. But I don't. I I can't recall that one. I said that's one that's not come to my mind either. Especially as, um, sorry, sorry, America, but I don't know. 
Well, this is the thing: the European American divide in motorsport is fascinating. I, I, I as I as I've said yeah. on this podcast recently, especially with you, Alex, um, finally bridging the gap and going the gap and going into American motorsports has been wonderful. It's been great, but there's clearly still things that we're just missing out on. Mm-hmm. Wait till we get into Japanese and um, South American sports uh, formula. TC two thousand. It wasn't that bad guy in Terminator Two. <laughs> uh, that that's BTCC on steroids. Oh, oh here, it is. here it is. Um, it won't be held in Milwaukee this year. It will be in. It, they'll hold it in Road America. Oh, okay. But it's wow. It's, it's literally a thousand miles, and they counted. You know, you don't see time. It, you look at the screen, and there's there's no time. We just count miles. Nice. That's fascinating. I love that. So is that so, so, part so, of IMSA or is that its own event? That, well, all three are, are their own events because you can get, you know, European drivers are invited just like it happens mm. for, in the 24. But that is, I guess, that's the most exclusive one to IMSA to put it in, in some way. Oh, okay. You don't yeah. have that many international drivers. That place. And let's nice. not forget, IMSA is owned by NASCAR. I love that. I love bringing that back up. Which in turn is owned by Carlos Slim, which in turn <laughs> is owned by Bernie Eccleston. And therefore, <laughs> it's. <laughs> right. Well, and I, therefore, I, I, Bernie's coming back. <laughs> oh, God. Did he ever leave? The final thing is because I'm pretty sure it's getting late. Aside from like, bring Bernie back. I want Bernie back. Um, oh, do we? Yes. We've, I've gone to that extent that it, <laughs> the 2021 season got hit me so hard that I want Bernie back. Uh, the, the, John Todd made me, made me miss Max Mosley. Oh, no, is, no, 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 no. Last time we went through no. that, we doing Nancy jokes. No, 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 I'm not doing those. I'm not, I'm not even going near that. I'm just going with the Max knew what he was doing, popular or not, and you had, and you had an, an idea of what he wanted. Yep. And um, John Todd, apparently, all he wanted was um, an award ceremony that was based around him. <laughs> and his reign, as they put it. <laughs> Thank you, Nick DeVries. <laughs> well, first of all, John, I'd like to say fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you may have a Bond girl for a wife, but here's this little finger. <laughs> and a good Bond film it is, too. Yes, it is. It's a damn good film. Well, was that a PlayStation 1 box? Yeah, yeah because... Oh, yeah. I've got all my oh, Bond games here because... You've got the Rush with Love one as well. Yeah, I've got all of my Bond games here. They're all here. you got Nightfire. Yes. <laughs> I have all of them. <laughs> Every single one. Every evening I tuck them into bed with me. <laughs> oh, no. Did you play the Wii version? Oh fuck yeah! The um, I played the, the on the Wii. They had Quantum of Solace and Goldeneye Reloaded, and this is not going to mention the podcast because, of course, it's a Formula One podcast. I was in the top one hundred in the world of Quantum of Solace Online on the Nintendo Wii because no one else could fucking aim with a Wii controller. I was like, ha take this, nerds! <laughs> and I was like, yay, me! I am Jamie Bond. <laughs> I, I can see you know the the Wii gun just fitting like ridiculously tiny in your hands, and you're like. Like this. <laughs> <laughs> my, 
mum walks in, Chris going to bed. I'm being James Bond. I'm the top 100 <laughs> Bond in the world. <laughs> what did you say? Top 1,000, you said? 100. Excuse me. Oh! <laughs> I was in the top 100 out of 99. <laughs> 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 I was in the top 100 out of 101. And I say, yeah, it's, it's depressing as fuck. <laughs> we don't talk about our teenagers in this podcast. <laughs> uh, um, oh, no, that's James Bond and Genesis there. Uh, <laughs> and the lamb lies down on gun barrel. <laughs> oh, Pedro, I don't, know, I don't expect you to understand that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> what was that? There's a Genesis song and I put a Bond quote in there because I'm a fucking Wait, nerd. I should have known that song. What, no, what song was that? Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. It's when Genesis was shit, which it was all of their tenure. But this whoa, one they're whoa. particularly shit. Oh, no. Whoa, whoa. No, no. Not having any of that. Which album was it? Was it Foxtrot? It was actually Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. There you go. <laughs> I, hate that I, I hate that I partially knew that. <laughs> you also knew Foxtrot, which in itself is a good bit of knowledge. Hey, just like this podcast, and then, then we're three. Uh, we we had, hey. we had 20 minutes left, and we managed to spend half of them speaking about James Bond on the Wii and Genesis. I think we've said a, this is a good podcast. This is going well. It's this is a January podcast. <laughs> this is off-season. One final bit of, of motorsport stuff before we log off, because I think mm-hmm. it's midnight for you guys already. Pretty Don't much. Uh-huh. It's almost 1230. Um, times are changing on NASCAR because they finally have their first representative on the FIA board. Ooh. Oh, wow. That's a development. Not like. really sure, not really sure what, what will come off out of that. Um, unless it's in terms of safety, you know, coming, you know, taking safety things from NASCAR to F1 and open oh. wheels. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of at the moment because there's no stock car racing in the NASCAR sense doesn't really exist over in Europe other than NASCAR Europe. NASCAR Europe, And it's, yeah, so we don't really have that. So I think it's going to be the safety stuff because, well, the American motorsports have much better safety than we do. On the basis, they do high speeds and ovals, therefore need the technology more than F1 does. Indeed. Until now. And you know what the reaction was from half of the Americans? Uh oh. <laughs> I'm assuming it was outrage and pitchforks. No, no, that's the thing. It wasn't. Oh. Half of good. them didn't have any clue what it was FIA. <laughs> <laughs> and then they told them, well, FIA runs Formula One, and they go, oh, okay. That's John Todd's legacy. <laughs> what Do is we the have FIA? a poll, guys, for this week? Uh, the Alpine be pink. Yes, should uh, should the Alpine oh, be pink? Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. All right. Actually, no, no. Do, should the Alpine be majority pink or majority blue? Yeah, blue or pink. What should be the main color of the Alpine car? That you know that that question. The way the way Alex put it, kind of sounds very political for some reason. Uh, hey, Alex, what's what's Alex? What's the use of the word majority? I think. Alex, yeah. do you have a degree? Alex, you've got a degree. What's that degree in? Uh, business match. No, no, it's um, it's politics. Oh, oh wow, no that, way! Oh, that might yep. be something about it. Yep, that's another fact. Just, just, and didn't you hold the title of councillor for quite a while? I, I also held the title of deputy leader of the town council. Thank you very much. 
Wait, you're saying I've been speaking to a politician for like almost. Well, a year, I, I, I was I was elected for one term between 2015 and 2019, and yes, I was elected as a proper public official. I just had what well, had some power, but nothing like the MPs do in the House of Commons, anything like that. Oh, so I'm not making any rules for the whole of the world or anything. Jesus, I, for our I, audio listeners, for our audio listeners, Pedro just stood up and punched a hole in his wall. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, he's getting violent. Oh, this is a good oh, Pedro, no. What have you done? I've mocked a politician for being bald and shiny. That that's the one thing I didn't expect to do in my life ever. That's fine. I don't mind. As long as I'm not blonde with hair that looks like he's just been born. Let the car over take on the last lap. Just the first five. This is the most sport. We are racing. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> all about that. All about let them race. Bah, 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 bah. Uh, I'm on that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> it's time oh. to win this week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Chris is dying. Come back. Chris is gone. Chris is gone. <laughs> Dude, your lungs are sensible, I assume. Take care of them. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> this is the greatest COVID test in the world. Can you breathe? Oh, yeah, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're negative. God. Oh, God. Boris oh, God. Johnson is Michael Mazzi. Oh, thank you, no. thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> thank you very much for listening, for subscribing, and for laughing. If you had as much of a laugh as we just did, and my voice just cracked. <laughs> oh, <sighs> oh, dear, oh, my God. God. We'll see you oh. next week, hopefully. <laughs>